0: Welcome to the EFC Podcast.
1: I'm Karen Stiller. Rick Heemstra is Director of Research for the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada and the lead researcher for a new body of research called Renegotiating Faith The Delay in Young Adult Identity Formation and What It Means for the Church in Canada. Welcome, Rick.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: We're going to talk about that research today. So the EFC was one partner, but there were others, and I think we should talk about that first. Who else was involved in this?
0: So the other groups were Power to Change Students, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, Truth Matters Ministries, Youth for Christ, and Truth Matters Ministries.
1: Okay, and so uh, the common interest then was solving this problem. What was the problem you were starting with?
0: So the original question was brought to us by Anton Lim from Power to Change Students. So Anton came with this question about how do you help get young adults connected to campus ministries, which is part of their focus. Uh, But we decided we wanted to widen that out to how do we help young adults in the church who are transitioning to the next stage in life after high school stay connected to the church and faith?
1: Okay. And um, when I think about young people I have seen leave the sort of the high school years at church, I can easily list a whole bunch who I think then just thought they were done with church or or just lost that connection, moved away, did not attend a local church in their new home. So you're saying in those years uh, that there is something we can do.
0: Yeah, there is something we could do. Maybe we should uh, start by talking about what those years are. Yeah, good. So the framework for our our research is given to us by a psychologist named Eric Erickson. So he was writing back in the 60s. But Erickson had an eight-stage theory of psychosocial development. And what Erickson said was that in stage five, which is the stage right where they form their identities, right before that, there's a hiatus, what he called a moratorium where psychosocial development is delayed or stopped. In recent years, youth ministry researchers like Jeffrey Arnett and others have picked that up and they've sort of repackaged it a bit and called it emerging adulthood. And this is what Erickson noticed, that as technology became more and more complex, as society changed faster and faster, that young adults were taking more time to target a career. And Erickson saw the career choice as the biggest identity plank that, in, in sort of the, the multifaceted way that we form our identities. And because they were waiting to pick a career, they are also waiting to put in place the other parts of their identity. Okay. And that includes faith.
1: Hmm. So are we talking about the um, adult children who are still living in their parents' basements?
0: Well, yes, it, in, in many cases, yes, because um, Erickson would say that in order to form an identity, you have to negotiate a relationship in a community. And the way that we've done that in the past is that, um, well, let, let me back up. Erickson says that at the end of this identity formation a life stage you gain what he calls a virtue which is like a strength or a capacity and the capacity he called it fidelity I call it the capacity to make commitments and this you need to understand it as a capacity um, because what has happened over time is that young adults, for various reasons, have lost the capacity to make some of those adult commitments. So for instance, living in your parents' basement, you're there because, in many cases, you do not have the finances to pay for an apartment or buy a home. And so that capacity issue is delaying some of these choices. What you need to understand about identity formation, though, is that you need to gain this capacity the capacity is delayed until there's a career choice. Career choice is delayed, so in a way, the capacity to make things like faith commitments, commitments to marriages um commitments to a career those are all delayed together, and they all come together fairly quickly once you gain that capacity
1: okay, so the capacity um help me understand capacity that it's more than ability, it's potential too right or
0: um, you know, Erickson talks about it a little bit, you know, I, I gave a talk once before and it's described it a little bit like, uh, like what you get in a video game once you're able to level up, right? Okay. It's this capacity to level up and to make these adult commitments. And you can either make these adult commitments because you want to, and there's a, there's an element to that, that sometimes young adults don't want to make those adult commitments, but in many respects, they are not making those commitments because they're just not able to yet. They don't have the financial resources, and this is the major one that young adults see themselves lacking, but there's also other life skills that they are missing that deny them the capacity to grow up.
1: Okay. So it scares me that I understood better with the video game reference, <laughs> but that it does make sense. So talk to me about faith then. Um, how does the church... Mem- well, we're not talking about more than church membership. We're talking about having an active faith and attending a faith community, I guess, are we?
0: Right. So the implications, if identity formation is about negotiating a role in a community, if you're going to negotiate a Christian identity, that means you have to have a Christian community to negotiate the role in. Okay. And so one of the big things that has happened over the years is you have more and more young adults oh. that are getting education And in many cases, that means that they move out of their parents' home while they're doing that. And they're in this emerging adulthood period where they're renegotiating their faith. Mm. But if there are not Christians around to negotiate that faith with, they don't negotiate a Christian identity. Okay. And so this makes it really important that we help young adults, while they're in this emerging adulthood stage, if you will, to be part of a Christian community, at least for us to try and provide candidate communities for them to join. Hmm.
1: And what about the idea um, that I think is out there as well, or maybe young people don't have this idea, and you can correct me, that you don't need to be in a church or a faith community to be a Christian? Is that part of this question? Or...
0: Well, what we found, and I I think that what many sociologists would say is that it's very difficult, what Erickson would say, to have an identity without a community. So this is where sort of psychology and our experience diverges from sort of some of the common theories here. Uh, Erickson would essentially be saying, you don't know who you are except in relation to other people.
1: Okay. And so when let's step back maybe one pace. When you actually did this research, who did you talk to? What sorts of questions did you ask?
0: Okay. So this was a multi-stage research project. We started with a literature review, and that's where we're trying to learn what other people have learned before so that we can build on that. Um, then we talked to ministry experts and these ministry experts are people that work with youth and young adults so youth pastors people in bible college campus ministries and we drew them from all of the major christian traditions in canada so this isn't just an evangelical study Mm -hmm. we included catholics mainline protestants orthodox and evangelicals
1: and all canadian and all canadian
0: now I should say that when we got to the next stage where we were talking to young adults, we limited ourselves to those that had a Christian religious affiliation in one of those traditions. And in their teen years, they attended religious services at least monthly at some point. Okay. And so what we're trying to do is, is take out those that are completely nominal.
1: Yeah. Can I ask what does at some point mean?
0: It means that they've identified a period. It may have been oh, six months okay. where they went at least monthly or whatever, but that they had a A a real connection in in some, you know, fairly minimal way in some cases, but to the church where it's not just, uh, that's my religious affiliation, but I never darken the door of the church. Okay.
1: Got it. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking about relatively engaged young people. And so, um, and then they
0: were interviewed, presumably. So we interviewed 40 young adults, um, from across canada and we then took transcripts of those and we used what we had learned from the literature view and those two sets of interviews and we created two national surveys so one we did uh with young adults in our in our age age, our age population our target population and the other we did with ministry experts so we worked with marrow matchbox and their company that uh, administers the Angus Reid Forum Angus Reid is a name that many Canadians mm-hmm. will be familiar with and then we we administered our own survey for ministry experts so we had about 2000 young adults that we that we did with our survey and we had like 1570 ministry leaders that completed our other survey
1: Okay, wow, so what did you discover? I know just from talking to you about this before that you're feeling like this uh, research has some implications for the church that are really practical and hopeful. So yeah, tell
0: us the good news. Well, here's some of the, some of the hopeful things. Um, many youth ministries uh, operate on a calendar that ends in June, and when young adults get to the end of high school, grade twelve, that's often the point where their connection with their home church ends. Uh, what we found though is that if people are going to get connected to what I call a next Christian community, that would be another church or a Christian campus group, about three quarters of those, if they're going to do it, will get connected in the first month after they move. So in September, that means you, you've got September, you've got Frost Week, September, um, if they're going to connect. So that has some pretty plain implications, right? If we were able to extend our uh, ministry calendar, say to Thanksgiving, uh-huh. and make the extension all about getting them connected to an next christian community, we would keep a lot more in the kingdom. The other thing that we found was uh, about making those connections. And so we asked ministry workers, whose responsibility it was to make those connections. And about 80% said that it was, if if it was a campus ministry, uh, connection to a campus ministry, that it was the young adults' responsibility themselves. But here's the thing whether it's young adults or someone else, if you ask people about getting connected to another group, a lot of them will say, if I don't know anybody there, right. I'm not going yeah. I'm, I'm to go in there, right? We yeah. know that. If you're, if you're looking to go to a new church, if you don't know a soul there, you're reluctant to get involved. Mm-hmm. And so what we found is that if someone from their home church helped them make a connection, make an introduction, maybe go uh, with them to meet a pastor in the town where they're, they're going to be going to school – or introduce them to, uh, say, a staff worker at InterVarsity or Navigators or Power to Change, um, then about 66% of those will go on to make the connection to the campus ministry. But only 16% will do that if nobody helps them make the connection. Okay. And so these are a couple of things that any church can do. It's within the capacity of any size church, and it makes just an enormous difference about whether they're going to have that very vital Christian community mm-hmm. in their lives once they get to school or once they move out of their home and start a new life.
1: Yeah, and as you were talking about... Uh that the likelihood of a young person connecting on their own without an introduction uh, is low. I was thinking the whole idea of emerging adulthood would also back that up, right. And that they're slower to be independent in these areas. I would think generally like my kids, no offense can't make it to a dentist appointment on time sometimes without being corralled out the door. Like there seems to be a need for more guidance than maybe we had at that age.
0: I don't know whether it's so much uh, guidance. It's it's the, the sense of connection okay. to to a community, the sense that I know someone, and really having somebody to help me get on the other side to the inside. So a okay. lot of a lot of groups, you know, by the I keep saying this by the nature and I'm somebody you know, caught me on this and say, well, you need to qualify that. But a lot of groups are, are exclusive mm. in the sense that if we have a strong identity to let somebody else in changes our group. And so uh, a lot of groups make it very difficult to break in. So okay. in in uh, youth group, you get people talking about cliques and stuff mm, like mm-hmm. that. But it takes somebody from inside the group to make an introduction and bring them in. And this is just sort of sociology. And it's a very sort of powerful idea but we as insiders in in what I call the society of adults need to help young adults break in.
1: Okay. So let's, um, can you give us a scenario uh, or tell us a story where this works well? So we understand. So let's say there's a, uh, you know, a young woman named Patricia who lives in small town, New Brunswick, and she's graduating from high school. She's been involved in the church, gone regularly, You know, probably gone to Christian camp and so on, but she's graduating and she's moving to uh, Vancouver to go to university. So tell us how that would work well according to what you've learned. Well, if I haven't made it too confusing, her name is Patricia.
0: Patricia, (laughs) Vancouver is a very long way from New Brunswick. (laughs) You know, the ideal thing always is if you can go in person and say travel with them arrange to have lunch or something with someone who would do that a youth pastor a youth pastor or a mentor or someone in the church okay
1: we can make her go to school in toronto if that's easier
0: (laughs) you know in some ways it seems like a great imposition to ask somebody to go to the links to make those introductions but in reality we may be talking about eternity for that young adult to to do that so failing the ability to go there um, you can at least um, ask somebody to make a connection, try, okay. and, set up, try and set up a Skype call mm. or mm. something where you make the introduction. People need a real-life connection. And, and I think that the closer you get to uh, people being in person without the intermediary of email or social media or things that are very impersonal, the better, because we connect with people better in person than we do okay. online.
1: Yeah. And are we talking about, um, a church, like a Sunday morning church, or are we talking, are we happy with a campus Christian group and they go to a Bible study? Like what is the ideal connection for the young person?
0: So, uh, my theology tells me that the body of Christ is uh, sort of the preeminent group, and, and campus groups are part of the body of Christ, um, but they're uh, generally organized not for ministry. So I would I would always prioritize the local church okay. is what I'm saying. Yeah. But a Christian community, which a Christian campus group is, is is the important thing for them we obviously hope that they mature and recognize the importance of the body of christ Mm -hmm. and in their lives decide to join and become involved and engaged in in their local church Um, but the important thing is that they have christians in their lives a christian community
1: yeah okay and what about parents the role of parents i think that i like my son oldest son graduated from high school, moved to Toronto. Um, I think my husband did a little research on here are some great churches, but I think he would have not wanted <laughs> us to be overly involved in that. So what do parents do?
0: Well, here's the thing. When we did the hemorrhaging faith study, you know, we found that parents are vitally important in the faith development of their kids. Now, what we found is that there's a, there's a caveat here. Once they get to be in their teenage years, all young adults want to differentiate themselves from their parents. That means that they want to find an identity apart from their parents. And so they're looking for ways to make a distinction between themselves and their parents. So the ways that they used to do this is you would move out, right? That's my parents' place. This is where I live. Mm. I'm the person who lives here. Okay. Um, or you would get married. That was my family. Then this is my family now, or you would get a job and that would give you an identity or whatever, because all of this is delayed, right? The, the capacity to differentiate yourself from your parents in the ways that people did it in the past are delayed, right? It's put out of reach at least okay. for five to seven years longer than it would right. be in the past. Okay. So if you're going to differentiate yourself hmm. from your parents, you need something about your parents to differentiate yourself from and if they have a strong Christian identity, that is, in some cases, an attractive place to differentiate. And so what we found is that young adults, in some cases, are leaving the faith in part to set up a differentiation marker between them and their parents that they have the capacity to do. Okay. Now, this, though, doesn't have to happen and this is where the role of mentors becomes really important. Okay. Because what mentors do is, is they they help young adults to differentiate in these ways. So I always say the mentors do four things, right? One, they help call out what God has placed inside. So they help young adults to recognize their giftings and abilities, and that's on their way to things like a career and calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, they reintroduce... The young adult to the community so if a young adult is in your congregation and their role in that congregation is being your son or your daughter and they get to be age 19 and they're still just your son and daughter in that church they're probably going to leave because they need to negotiate their own role in the society of adults within your congregation and what happens with a mentor, if they can reintroduce your your child to the church, say, and what I mean by that is things like this. Uh, in conversations with other adults in your church, you drop, uh, have you noticed that Joanna's really good at this? I think we should get Joanna's uh, take on this. Or wouldn't yeah. Joanna be good for that? And what you're doing is you're sort of reframing the possibilities of what Joanna can be in mm-hmm. that congregation, on her own terms. Okay. And then you're opening, it's, it's like an opening bid in negotiations for her now because you've created a place at the table for her to negotiate and you've sort of framed that out. Now she she can take it from there. So the other thing is that if we're understanding identity formation here again as a negotiation, mentors are negotiation aids. Okay. Because we all know that in any community, and, so, and let's be honest, in the church, these negotiations can be rough. They can be bruising. Mm-hmm. And you need somebody in your corner that you can go back to and, and sort of debrief about what just happened there. Yeah. And sort of uh, pick yourself up and get mm-hmm. back in there. And here's what I would suggest you do. Yeah, And then the final thing that, that mentors are is uh, continuity. We have lots of great ministry programs, and the the biggest problem with our programs is that they end. Right. So we have a great youth group, and then we say in grade 12, you're done, and we're going to kick you out. And what we do is what we're saying is we're we're taking your community away, and good luck. Try to negotiate another one. Okay. So why are mentors important? Because if mentors are there, if you've got Christian friends there, if your connections into the church are there— that aren't just dependent on being your parent's child, then to leave your parent's faith in some way means you're leaving all those other people and and roles. Mm
1: -hmm. And you're saying the mentor relationship can keep you
0: connected. Can keep you connected because it helps you to negotiate those it in rolls independent of your parents, and this is why things like youth group okay. and Christian camp mm. become so vital. Mm. Because when you go off to Christian camp, yes, your parents might be paying for you to be there, but while you're at Christian camp, you're getting your camp name, you're yeah. you're getting leadership experience, and and you're with a group of kids where the potential to have kids that are on fire about their faith and 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 devoted, you have the potential to become part of that community. Mm-hmm. And that is just so enormously important. We have to realize that they need to have the opportunities to have those roles. Uh, yeah. sometimes, you know, giving kids leadership roles, it's not just about leadership and about filling slots. It is about them finding a place within your community. And it is so vital that you, that kids are helped to find a place in the community that is different the place that they have just by virtue of being your child who you have told them you as long as you're in our house you must come to church with me
1: right right yeah I mean I will say camp has been transformative in uh, the lives of our kids and I think you know for at least one of them and he has said this he feels he would not have faith today at 18 if he had not gone to camp every year and had that exact experience you've described. So, yeah, that is huge. And the role of mentors, imp- or, or the existence of mentors, implies, I think, an intergenerational church, which is another big part of hemorrhaging faith, right? The 2011 report.
0: Yeah. Part of what we've discovered here is that um, you need a church in order to raise a kid in the faith. Yeah, yeah. Parents... Uh, in no way do we are we downplaying mm-hmm. the role of parents. But there comes a place in kids' lives where the roles have to change, right? They're always your kid, but they have to be your kid now in a different way if you're going to have a healthy adult relationship yes. with them. And the same thing is in, in the church. You want them to stay in the church, but if they're going to stay in the church, they need to negotiate that healthy adult role in the church And we have to be serious about helping them to become part of the society of adults Mm. in our church. Mm
1: -hmm. So um, people who are listening who want to read this full report, they can... I know uh, this is being offered free uh, to Canadians or to anyone. So how can people get the report?
0: Uh, We've set up a website where you can download it. It's renegotiatingfaith.ca.
1: Okay, perfect. And in your um, best-case scenario, how will this research and this report be used in Canada?
0: I hope that uh, churches recognize the importance of the kinds of connections that they make. I hope that ministries recognize that because our kids are mobile— that if we aren't networking and working with other churches, that we simply can't be effective in the ministry that is going to help pass our, our faith on to the next generation. Um, it, is, it is not sufficient to build your own local congregation. We really do need each other. We need other congregations, other, other churches, other ministries. And we have to be serious about making those kinds of connections so that our children find next Christian communities and stay in the faith.
1: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.